Welcome to A Novel Life, a podcast about living life in a novel way. I am Lauren Ruth Martin, a licensed professional counselor in Franklin, Tennessee. First things first, just remember that this is not therapy. This is talking about therapy-like things, but it isn't the real deal. Let's start the show. I am embarrassed at how many times it took me to record the intro just now, so I think I'm going to keep that one. (laughs) I think I've been changing it every week, and so I'm going to save myself the five minutes of time and just keep it standard. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm in a weird gray area. It's actually been a good week, and this is the other weird thing. Uh, My birthday is this weekend, and... You know, there are people that are doing social distancing parties, drive-by parties, Zoom calls, and I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of having a moment of grief that I can't do the birthday that I want to do. Um, We have decided as a family just to kind of keep our exposure at a minimum with a plan in the future to begin reentering and having social distancing gatherings, Um, but for now, we're just, we're playing it safe. Um, We have people at risk in our family. I have a young kid. So that's what we're doing. And it's just gotten me kind of in a funk, um, a little bitter, um, which helps because in my skills class, we've been talking about envy and bitterness and resentment and cynicism. And so I've had to put a lot of those skills to use. And it's also just been a lot of reflection on my part. Um, You know, this weekend, I made a post about looking at my life and kind of thinking, Oh, my gosh, I am so lame. In the in the sense of I, you know, if you were to talk to me a decade ago, so when I was turning 24, I had a totally different plan in mind. Being a mom was not in my plan. Uh, Being a therapist, I think was just starting to enter my realm of thinking, but I had a totally different plan in my mind of where I was gonna go and what I was going to do. And, you know, I was going out and, you know, being a hot mess. And it was fun, but it was also emotionally draining. And now I'm like, like real talk, y'all. I'm a Costco mom, like I look forward to going to Costco. And I have a little bit of shame around that, even though Costco is legit. I mean, how can you turn down like 99 cent slices of pizza? I don't know, you know, and just like bags of pasta and like huge, huge amounts of like your favorite shampoo. Like you can't, you can't turn and then you have books and then the clothing selections actually decent, like athleisure. Like I, I, I can't, like I had no idea how amazing Costco was until I became a Costco mom. And here's the thing, I'm quite content. And I think that that's the weird thing about this is like reflecting on my birthday and realizing that I'm, I'm doing a lot of really kick ass things. But there's just a lot of old definitions around being a Costco mom, like I have a negative narrative associated with being a Costco mom. And in that negative narrative, I think that Alleged, like reportedly in my head, it limits me to these other things that I enjoy. And, and, you know, I'm edgy and I cuss and I like to go to concerts, even though I'm not going to go to a concert anytime soon. Like there are things about me that don't go away just because I'm a Costco mom. And so I think this week I've had to do a lot of just 
in the moment grief work, like grieving the fact that my birthday isn't going to be the way that I normally like to. I like to be around lots of people. I like to be the center of attention. I like to be extra like that. That is me. That is my go-to birthday thing. And that's not going to be it. And that's fine. I will probably grieve it many times and then get over it. And then I'm also just, you know, I think the things that I am grieving aren't necessarily things that I'm sad about, but I think I'm doing a lot of reflecting and self-inquiry and letting go of who I thought I should be or what I thought I was destined to be and realizing that where I am now is far better than I could have designed a decade ago. And I think that's something that sometimes we get caught up on is that we think just because it was supposed to be one way and we took a 180 or we made a big change that all of a sudden it's like against our value set when in fact, I'm living my life more in my values than ever. And it just doesn't look like the way that I thought it would. Um, So I hope that that kind of like get you thinking about your own sort of stuff and maybe some things to grieve and reflect on. Um, We'll be back in a moment. We'll get into some questions. into one of your questions this week. If you have a question for me, you can send me a message anytime on Instagram at Novel Counseling and I will do my best to answer. Sometimes I save the questions um, to when it's something more relevant or something I feel like I can answer well. Um, Sometimes I do have to look up a few things. And so if I don't get to yours immediately, it either wasn't something that I feel like I could speak well on or I'm just kind of getting it sorted out. So this week's question is about boundaries and caring for somebody close to us that may, um, that may have something like depression or anxiety. So paraphrasing this question, they're talking about a really good friend that struggles with depression and they've, you know, in their friendship, they have really good boundaries. Um, but right now, given everything going on, um, they're just finding themselves feeling more burnt out, um, because there's some repetition to what's going on. And so what's the best way to support and to handle that? And, you know, that's a really good question in the sense of, you know, I think a lot of times when there's some either depression, anxiety, or a recurring problem going on, um, at least in my experience as a therapist, my urge at times is to want to problem solve or to feel responsible for resolving the problem because it's obviously causing a lot of distress in somebody's life. And I think there's great intention in that. And it sounds like with your friend, like you have the best intentions of wanting to be a good support for them. When we start to feel, so we as the as the helper or the one that's helping a friend, um, when we fit that role, if we begin to feel like we are burnt out or um, that we're kind of at our max, we have to check in on a few things. Is this due to the actual situation? Is this due to a more collective in your life at this point? Um, 
And I think having inventory of that, being aware of your own, what we call vulnerability factors can be helpful because maybe it is, maybe it is the same. It's the frustration with the topic that your friend's bringing up consistently. Um, Maybe it's a feeling on your own, a feeling like you're not effective and you're not helpful. So I think having inventory and, and reflecting on how much of this is my bias, my life, my energy level coming into play, and how much of this is the interaction with my friend. And even then, once you do that, you then have some data to present that to them too, of saying, and this is where we add ourselves. So I'm just going to use this in the framework of the essential, it's the core radically open DBT skill, flexible mind, definitely. And it's um, determine if, um, or acknowledge the distress and the unwanted emotion. So that's D distress or unwanted emotion. E is self-inquiry. So that's what you do when you take inventory and see what you can learn from this. And then F is flexibly respond. So if you're typically one that is in problem solving mode, then maybe we got to get flexible in our response and you can either out yourself to this friend and say, Hey, I noticed that I'm constantly giving you advice. I'm constantly trying to like change your mood and I'm just going to try listening. Like, is that, would that be helpful for you if I just listen and take on less responsibility with what's going on in your life? Um, if you're typically a listener and you feel like you've listened to the same problem all that you can, then maybe you get flexible in that sense and say, hey, I feel like I've been listening a lot and I've been really supportive. I think we should talk about some ways to resolve it. So like, can we problem solve that together? And if you see in both of those instances, what you're doing is taking ownership for your end of it, and then also asking the other person what they want to do. Because there is a strong chance that that friend has no idea that they are repeating themselves or that they are stuck again, even if they say, I know, I know I'm stuck here again. But the impact that it's having on somebody else is it's not there. And that's not because they're an asshole. It's not because they're selfish. It's because they're caught up in their own feels. And, and the thing is, like, if we think about it, us as humans, we're designed to have our heads up our own asses. Like we're literally just trying to figure out what's going on in our own lives. And we're trying to make sense of things. In fact, you're doing that too, as you're listening to your friend, because you're trying to make sense of it for you and figuring out how you can be supportive of them. So if you're ever finding yourself feeling burnt out, you know, as a supporter of somebody going through something, then you don't have to set a limit or a boundary. You just got to start collaborating because there's a chance that you might be taking on more than what is necessary in that relationship. Now, if you're somebody that relies on people and don't do this in like a reassurance seeking sort of way, but check in with them. Um, I've seen something that's been floating around Instagram. And whenever we text um, a friend or if we have to vent, just kind of saying like, hey, do you have the energy to take this on right now? Or I am really in my feels and, and prioritize. You know, if you're just kind of having like that low level bad day, or if you're wanting the vent, you got to ask yourself like, is this, is this something worth unpacking right now? Or can it wait? 
or when we finally do get to, you know, reaching out to a friend or saying like, give them an idea of how urgent it is and just say, I've been bottling this up all day. I thought I could work through it, but I can't. So if you could help, that would be really great. Like giving some sort of context to whoever is helping us out also helps the helper know exactly what you're needing. Even if you say, I don't know what I need, I just need to talk this out first. Or I don't know what I need, I'm just really caught up in this moment right now. Because then you're now guiding each other along and there's the expectations are set. I think that's something that happens in friendships all the time is that we just kind of forget what role we're meant to be in each other's lives. And that role changes over time. And that role sometimes shifts in the context of whatever else is going on. You know, and so I think just evaluating what you believe your role is to be, talk to your friend and ask what they would prefer your role to be, even if that's in the moment. And hopefully that can decrease those feelings of burnout. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll go into a deep dive. into our deep dive and this week I am focusing on the idea of neutral language and using the fancy word is cognitive diffusion but we're going to talk about being aware of the language in our minds how it impacts our bias and also get into ways that we can begin and the fancy word for this is diffusing ourselves from what goes on in our brain. And so if we think about the importance of language or the frequency of language, language means a lot in our brains, especially when we're trying to make sense of our day to day lives. So I'll give you an example. Um, Today, I was walking around with my son in the backyard, and he's obsessed with picking the little berries that are with the um there with clovers and so luckily he doesn't eat them thank god that's like the only thing that he like he eats so much dirt oh my gosh y'all anyway so he was picking the berries and i was you know sitting in the corner just letting him be and he was walking up to me and putting the berries that he picked in my hand and in that moment you know, he's moved on, like he's, he's on the other side of the yard, he's ready to go inside. And I have these berries in my hand. And I was aware of these thoughts of like, Oh, my gosh, he he gave me these. And even in that moment, if you can hear my tone, the language in my head was basically saying this was like a sweet gift that he gave me. And do I just toss these on the ground? Do I just throw it away? And so now my language, like these are literally berries that we have a bajillion of and will probably not be the last time that these berries exist in this yard or in my hand. But for some reason, in that moment, I had these thoughts and this wave of guilt wash over me, like I had that pit in my stomach, and I was felt kind of frozen. And I was just aware that I all of a sudden attached this really great meaning to these berries. Now, in a sense, 
this could be seen as a positive exercise of mindfulness. And and I don't want to say positive, but an effective way of mindfulness, because I was able to be in the moment and observe um, what I was experiencing and, you know, appreciate the little things like him giving me the berries and thinking that was really sweet where it started going into this like weird territory, at least for my experience, was that all of a sudden I felt this sort of like guilt moment of what do I do with the berries? And when that comes up, so picture a situation like that over the past week in your life where something that seemed kind of maybe not frivolous, I'm trying to figure out the right word. See, there's language coming up again. But you know, a moment that just seems sort of ordinary every day. But then we started, it started getting met with our language and interpretation and meanings that we were attaching to the situation. So there's a really weird pause just now. You probably didn't even notice it, but I did because I had to stop recording. Um, I had a phone call come in and it stopped my recording altogether. But then I had to like take care of a few things. Anyway, so back to it. You're thinking of a time this week where you have been thinking um, where you were in a situation that seemed ordinary and then your language just started getting in the way. That experience. So if we think about common barriers when we start getting caught up in our thoughts. So this comes from acceptance and commitment therapy can go into this acronym called fear. So there's fusion which is stuff that your mind tells you that gets in the way when you're caught up in it. So that's, you know, the messiness of thoughts, excessive goals. So the goal is too big, you lack the skills or you lack the resources. Um, Avoidance of discomfort, unwillingness to make room for the discomfort that this challenge brings, and then remoteness of values. So that's losing touch or forgetting what's important to you in that moment. And um, all of this is in the happiness trap. So when you get caught up in that, so when you're caught up in your thoughts and your, your language is getting in the way, the techniques that we suggest are, they're going to be cognitive diffusion skills. So if you're caught up in your thoughts, the way that we do this is mindfulness. And I love talking about neutral language, especially in this, because I think mindfulness has this whole connotation that mindfulness means to be calm. And the thing is, mindfulness is truly about awareness, and then shifting and adopting more neutral language or adopting um, this sort of diffusing mindset can be helpful in decreasing um, unhelpful biases or barriers into going into life. So let me talk about neutral language first. And so this goes into the cognitive diffusion technique of it's called I'm having the thought that this also sounds really similar to the radically open DBT awareness continuum. And I'm giving you these terms that if you want to know more or to do even a deeper dive on, um, just Google them, write them down and Google them or ask your therapist about them if they're you know, familiar with these sort of techniques. But when we have neutral language and it's saying, I'm having the thought that 
we include category labels in the description of private events. So I'm having, as I described this, the experience from early, earlier, you could even hear that in my language of, I was aware of the thought that, I was aware of the sensation of, I was aware of the image or the mental picture that I had in my brain. I was aware of the emotion of. When we give ourselves that language and we start describing things, that then separates us from our thoughts. So it makes space for that to where we can begin seeing the things as they are, not as we are. And the by doing that, we're essentially, to go back to the first segment, we're pulling our head out of our butts and we're looking at the world for what it is instead of like how it's processing in between our two ears. And having that space is awesome because then we can, it, it just give like when you think about space, if you think about a bunch of things being in your bubble and then pushing them out just a little bit, there's breathing room. There's some workability. We're now able to manage through this without being so caught up in it. Now I've used the word neutral language a few times and haven't gone into it. I love the idea of neutral language. In fact, I talk about neutral affirmations and If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen that my morning tagline has switched from what it used to be to now it's have the day you're going to have. I love the idea of neutral affirmations of, you know what, I'm just going to have a day. You know what, I'm just going to be. Because I think, at least in my personal work, expectations, which goes a little bit into that, um, the excessive goals a portion of the fear acronym. I I think expectations really get in the way for me and set me up for disappointment. So where I was talking about my birthday earlier, um, you know, I had these grand ideas for my birthday. And when I use a neutral language of like, you know what, I'm just going to have a birthday and see what comes from that. It's opening myself to the possibility that the plan that I had in mind where that may not happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that my birthday is going to suck. You know, it's opening myself to what actually does happen instead of what didn't happen, which what didn't happen was basically a bunch of expectations. So when we bring in the idea of neutral language, when we bring in the idea of separating ourselves from our thoughts by putting them into what they are. I mean, we have thoughts and urges all the time. And if we begin attaching ourselves to them, our brain thinks some messed up stuff. And there are some things that my brain comes up with that I don't want to be associated with at all. And guess what? I get the choice. Like I get the choice. And you know, where did I get the idea that if my brain comes up with a really crappy thought that that defines who I am as a person? That's the cool thing about thoughts. Nobody in the world, unless we say them out loud, nobody in the world knows our thoughts. And that can be a really scary thing, or that can be a really liberating thing. Because the difference between what's going on in our brain and how we execute it, how we express it, how we go about our lives, that is where the magic happens because thoughts are just thoughts. And if we commit ourselves to openness, which that's where we ask ourselves if the content is accessible when negative content comes up or acceptable. We don't have to take that on. We can imagine this. So then we go into metaphors. And if we have a really, really crap thought, we can imagine that being written down on a sheet of paper, balling it up and throwing it in the trash. That is what mindfulness is, is awareness of saying, that's a really, really crappy thought. 
I, I'm not going to latch on to it. And, you know, is that crappy thought giving me insight into something else possibly? So then opening, you know, opening up and asking what is there to learn? That's ongoing self-inquiry, which comes from radically open DBT of, hey, is that thought coming up for some reason? Maybe, maybe not. Should I explore it? Sure, I have the time to. Do I not? Okay, then the thought will probably come up later. If you have random intrusive thoughts, so if this goes into more OCD land, a few uh, things that I like, um, there's sound it out, which is where you say thoughts very slowly. So like, let's say you have this random intrusive thought that you, um, you're not good enough. Then when that thought comes up, you actually sound it out like this. You're not good enough. And then it it like it totally changes the it, it changes the strength of the intrusive thought. Same thing with sing it out. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Hey. You know, it like does that have that same sort of tone that you probably had before? Probably not. And then silly voices. Um, saying your thoughts in silly voices like, you're not good enough. Oh, baby. Ah, you're not good enough. Oh, you're not good enough. I used to do the Donald Trump voice before he was so polarizing. The, you're not good enough. That's like an awful Donald Trump impression. But like giving silly voices, like realizing that we can begin manipulating and having fun with these thoughts that seem to bring us a lot of distress. That's how we diffuse from it. That's how we get out of like thinking that these thoughts that we carry with us carry a ton of weight. Um, when other things that you can do where, um, you know, reminding ourselves, we say this in RODBT all the time, just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Um, also asking yourself, um, this question and what is that in service of? So you step out of the content and you ask the question, you know, what is this thought serving? What might this thought be showing me? Cause maybe the thought is showing you something. It just like the execution of the thought just wasn't helpful. Um, you know, you can create a new story. You can, um, find another thought like totally unconnected to anything, um, you know, you can totally just recognize that a thought is just a thought. There are ways that we can begin having conversations with ourselves. Like, and I don't know if you can hear it in my tone of voice. And if you could see me, like I am, mo- my arms are moving. I- I'm not staying frozen and, and examining how sometimes these thoughts impact our nervous systems and then create new narratives or new biases or new beliefs on the situation. Like that's why we, that like, we always want to change our thinking. And I'm a big believer, like, sure, you can try to like fight it, like going saying, well, that's not true, or this is where it's true. You can go into that. But is it really necessary? Because our brains are constantly firing. And we have the right to latch or not latch on to a thought as it comes up. So when these things happen, 
also be aware of your posture. Like, does your posture change? When I told you earlier about my, like the situation with the berries, like, and I had that wave of guilt come over me, I was just sitting there and staring at the berries and thinking, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And then I took a deep breath. I reset my nervous system and I realized like, Hank is not going to be, even if he gets upset that I dropped the berries, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom. Like it doesn't, you know, and and maybe I was in that moment. How about that? Okay. You know, where did I get the idea that I was going to be a perfect mom all the time? Where did I get the idea that if I discard something that's given to me, that that makes me a bad person? All of those things are narratives that I have attached to certain behaviors. And I think that's something we all have to keep in mind with the idea of, adopting and practicing a neutral stance or beginning to develop what we call in radically open DBT self healthy self doubt, you know, because in some cultures, it wouldn't even mean anything if somebody gave us this, you know, but in in our current context, maybe it does. And so the idea of recognizing and taking ownership and thinking, hey, like, this is how I'm interpreting the situation. We're now, and again, this is about making space from our brain, diffusing the thoughts from our brain, bringing them to the outside and treating them like things that would literally be outside of us, because that's how we begin doing life differently and not having our thoughts or our nervous states completely dictate everything we do without having a degree of healthy evaluation to it. Because if you think about it, if I were to latch onto that belief that I should hold on to this, then that's going to get me in this trap that like, it could easily lead to the trap of well, he gave me this and he gave me that and then I have boxes of Hank stuff that he like didn't even remember. And and that's like where, you know, and that's the bias of like, I like totally went on a tangent and I forgot. But basically what I'm saying is that it can easily lead to getting trapped. And if we're trapped by our thoughts, then we're likely not doing life. So I'd encourage y'all this week to try some of these diffusion techniques. Try separating yourself from your thoughts. See what that feels like. And hopefully you'll find yourselves actually living in life more instead of living in your head. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that this is still going on. I'm so thankful for everybody that's left feedback so far. If you have anything that you want addressed on the show or just general feedback, you can message me on Instagram at Novel Counseling. If you could do me a solid, I would really, really appreciate more ratings. So if you could leave a rating, if you could leave a review, if you could subscribe, if you could share, I want to get this out, especially during this time where we're all trying to navigate a new life. I just think it's helpful to have resources out there. So thanks for sharing. It means a lot to me. I hope you'll have a great week. Actually, just have the week you're going to have. There's that neutral language for you.